Chapter Three of The Lark by E. Nesbitt. The Sleepervox recording is in the public domain. When fortune suddenly upsets the coach and tumbles you onto the hard, dusty road, you can, of course, sit where you are and weep. If you do, something will certainly run over you, and your distress will be increased. Or you can move to the side of the road and sit down and cry here in comparative safety. Or you can go your way afoot, cursing the coach and the driver and your own beggarly luck. Or you can pick yourself up with a laugh, protesting that you are not at all hurt, and that walking is much better fun than riding. The last is on every count the course to be recommended. But it is not everyone who has the qualities needed for such a snapping of the fingers at fate. To do the thing convincingly you must have courage, a light heart, and above all, presence of mind. The gesture of I don't care must not come as a second thought. You must not cry out and then protest that you are not hurt. The laugh must follow the smash without an instant's pause to be followed as quickly by insistence on the charms of walking, so much superior to carriage exercise. Afterwards you can talk things over with your fellow victims, if you have any, and decide how fast you shall walk and how far, what shoes are best for walking and which road you shall walk on. Jane, spilled out of the quite luxurious carriage of a comfortable income, had at least the presence of mind to laugh and to feed the rabbit. And now, she said firmly, turning away from his green munchings, then there's nothing to do but to go for a walk. Come along in and put on thick boots, Lucy. We're going to walk miles. All right, said Lucilla shortly. And they went in. And look here, said Jane, don't let's talk. I'm not the one who usually wants to talk, said Lucilla, busy with bootlaces. No, I know, it's me, but not this time. This time I want to think, really to think. I'm not sure, but I don't believe I ever have really thought yet. I've only dreamed and imagined and planned. Now I'm going to try to think. Come on, how horribly narrow these stairs are. Latch the gate, it looks tidier. Now we'll step out. Which way? It doesn't matter a bit. What was I saying? Oh, that I meant to try to think. And you try to, too. It won't be easy, because I don't believe you've ever done it before, either. And when we get home, we'll tell each other what we think. If we begin to talk about everything now, we shall only get confused. We want to see it clearly, and see it whole, and— I thought we weren't going to talk, Lucilla put in. No more we are. I'll shut up like a knife in a minute. I want to say one thing, though. So do I, said Lucilla. I want to say I think it's a beastly shame. No, no, said Jane eagerly. Don't start your thinking with that, or you'll never get anywhere. It isn't a shame, and it isn't beastly. I'll tell you what it is, Lucy and that's where we must start our thinking from. Everything that's happening to us, yes, everything, is to be regarded as a lark. See? This is my last word. This is going to be a lark. Is it? said Lucilla. And that's my last word. They walked on in silence. The houses grew fewer. 
there were fields instead of market gardens trees hedges a lonely tumble-down cottage a big deserted house with windows boarded up standing in a walled garden a lane a stile more trees and a long stretch of white grass-bordered road real country they walked sturdily along the dusty road the sun was warm and grew warmer the road rose and fell in gentle undulations still in perfect silence the girls walked on but their pace was not so good as at first one might almost indeed have said that their footsteps lagged a turn of the road brought to view a village green a duck pond a pleasant-looking inn in front of this lucilla stopped look here jane she said we said we wouldn't talk said jane rather faintly who wants to talk lucilla asked what i want isn't talk it's something to eat do you realize that you dragged me out without breakfast it was silly said jane very at the same time i'm quite sure we couldn't have eaten a proper breakfast just after reading that letter perhaps not lucilla admitted but i want my breakfast and i'm going to have it here in these tea-gardens at the side of the inn i'm hungry too said jane at least i feel as if i'd been for hours in a swing-boat i suppose that's what people mean when they say they feel faint for want of food but oh lucy i'm so sorry i didn't bring any money i did said lucilla grimly and led the way to the green latticed tea-gardens in a tumble-down arbor with faded blue seats and a faded blue warped table breakfast was presently served to them oh lucilla you are it jane admitted doesn't the bacon smell lovely and the coffee sweeter than roses in their prime and real toast in a proper toast rack don't talk said lucilla eat after a silence full of emotion jane spoke again i never had breakfast out of doors before and all by our two selves too surely even you will admit that this is a lark it would be said lucilla if no ifs said jane it is a lark unconditionally and without qualification and i've been thinking at least i haven't really till this moment but i'm thinking now bacon is an admirable brain tonic don't speak for a minute i am evolving what they call a philosophy of life more coffee please said lucilla well said jane putting in far too much milk it's like this if we're going to worry all the time about the past and the future we shan't have any time at all we must take everything as it comes and enjoy everything that is well that is enjoyable like this very lovely breakfast live for the moment and do all you can to make the next moment jolly too as carlyle says or is it emerson it may be plato or aristotle said lucilla cutting more bread but i think not it's common sense insisted jane we've got to try to make our livings somehow we'll try all sorts of things and we'll get fun out of them if we don't worry and grouse but we shall never do anything if we think of ourselves as two genteel spinsters who have seen better days we must think of ourselves as adventurers with the whole world before us frightfully interesting 
there's something in what you say said lucilla there's much more in what i am going to say jane rejoined it's wonderful how bacon clears the mind have you ever thought seriously about marriage don't be silly said lucilla there that's exactly what i mean said jane cryptically now i have thought about marriage a good deal and i believe that one reason why so many married people don't get on together well you know they don't don't you is that they're not polite to each other they think they know each other well enough to say don't be silly and things like that no of course i'm not offended it was all right to rag each other when we were just cousins with nothing to do but play the fool but now we're partners my dear almost as much as if we were a married couple and don't you think it would be a good scheme to try to be polite and drop ragging each other you can't said lucilla well anyhow i think we shall have to try at any rate not to say don't be silly before we know what the other one's going to say i apologize said lucilla and leave the omnibus nonsense said jane i didn't mean that it might just as well have been me and now i'm going to tell you something i beg your pardon said a voice but can you tell me how far it is to leabridge they turned to find at lucilla's elbow a young man in kneebreeches he held in one hand a panama hat and in the other a glass of ginger beer oh said lucilla with what was almost a cry i am sorry if i startled you he said not at all said lucilla at least you did rather but it doesn't matter and we don't know anything about leabridge i'm sorry but they'd know in the inn wouldn't they i suppose they would said the young man as though this were a completely new idea they're sensible people i suppose i don't know said lucilla we aren't staying here we just came to have breakfast she indicated the greasy plates and sloppy cups but they'll be sure to know of course yes thank you so much said the stranger you see i've been in the red sea for over four years and i don't seem to know where anything is it's wonderful how different kent is to the red sea it must be said lucilla rather stiffly i'm sorry we can't help you not at all said he vaguely thank you so much and with that he retreated to the furthest of the green tables we'd better go said jane whatever did you want to snub him so for he didn't really want to know about leabridge he just wanted to talk to us i should think he did after four years of the red sea anybody would want to talk to anybody but that wasn't it don't you see he came into the garden just when i was saying i was going to tell you something he had to let us know he was there i think it was very very nice of him now lucy you must bow as we go by we won't go by said lucilla we'll go round the other way and turn our backs on him at once they did and it was rather a pity because if the young man had seen more of jane than a large hat and a chin and if jane had seen the young man distinctly either or both might have been moved to oppose lucilla's severe and severing tactics i don't quite see what either could have done but i incline to think that the situation would have been changed 
as it was jane and lucilla paid their bill and john rochester was left to drink ginger-beer in the sun and wonder why he couldn't be allowed to talk for half an hour to two ladies just because no one had mumbled their names to him and his to them he was thirsty for the companionship of women any decent women so that presently he carried his glass into the bar and tried to talk to the barmaid he found a nice respectable woman with very little conversation then he rode on to lunch with a wealthy uncle who had expressed a wish to see him later he would go down to his mother's he had not seen her yet the uncle had been imperative he wondered whether miss antrobus was married and then he thought of the gold-crowned child in the moonlit wood and wondered little did he think as our good old standard authors would say but volumes could be ineffectually filled by the recital of what mr rochester didn't think the point for us is that he had seen the child again and that she had seen him he did not recognize her now that she wore a straw hat and the charm of nineteen instead of a crown and fifteen's wild woodland grace and she did not recognize the face that had come in answer to her invocation because four years in the red sea set their mark upon a man even without that scar that he got when his ship was torpedoed they have not recognized each other but they are in the same county more they are in the same district she anchored to a house called hope cottage he less closely attached but still attached to a resident uncle if there is anything in these old charms the two will meet again quite soon if there isn't anything well still they will probably meet of course he may fall in love with lucilla it was she who spoke to him if he does we shall know that charms on st john's eve are worse than useless anyhow he is now definitely out of the picture which concerns itself only with the desperate efforts of two inexperienced girls to establish on the spur of the moment a going concern that shall be at once agreeable and remunerative they talked it over the forethought of the defaulting guardian in providing an intelligent drab-haired woman to come in and do for them left them free to talk and talk they did presently talk crystallized into little lists of possibilities as thus be milliners be dressmakers market gardening keeping rabbits we've got one to begin with anyhow said lucilla keeping fowls taking paying guests writing novels going out as governesses not if i know it said jane think of agnes gray selling the house and furniture and going to canada too cold said lucilla besides they have no old buildings said jane your mind would be cold there as well as your body wood carving going about as strolling minstrels it was not an unhappy time freedom was theirs they might be unlucky but there was no one to tell them whose fault it was the house though small was very comfortable as houses are that have been lived in for years and had all that houses need gradually added a little at a time not crammed down their throats in one heavy dusty meal by a universal provider or a higher system firm
the garden was full of flowers daffodils tulips wallflowers forget-me-nots pansies oxlips primroses and on the walls of the house cherry-coloured japanese quince the buds of iris and peonies were already fat with promise and roses were in leaf and tiny bud twice a day a long procession of workmen passed the house on their way to and from the new estate that was being developed the girls got quite used to the admiration which their garden excited in these men as they passed every eye was turned to it one day jane was cutting the pyrus japonica for the house when the procession began you might spare us a buttonhole said a fat jolly man with a carpenter's bag all right said jane handsomely and handed him a little sprig of red blossom thank you i'm sure said the workman but what about me said the man behind him me too said another give us a bit too lady i'm awful fond of flowers and next moment there was a crowd of men and boys holding on to the green railings of hope cottage and all clamouring for just one flower the group blocked the pathway and newcomers stopped to see what was going on and the crowd grew and grew jane came to the fence and raised her voice she had learned to do that in the school plays look here she said i'm awfully sorry but i can't give flowers to all of you never mind miss said one we know your heart's good no need to give said a black-bearded serious-looking man i'll pay for mine so'll i said a dozen voices i was first miss me next how much how much ought i to say jane lowered her voice to ask her first friend who had pinned her gift to his buttonhole tuppence a bit he answered jane broke off her cherry-coloured blossom into sprays and handed them over the railings receiving many pennies in return you ought to sell bouquets miss said one of the men lots of the chaps would like to take home a bunch to the missus of a saturday you put up a board and say flowers for sale here not but what it would be a pity to rob the garden oh but we want to sell the flowers said jane thank you so much i'll get a board ready i'll bring you along a bit of board said the man with the carpenter's bag already painted white and you can do the letters on it yourself with brunswick black all saves expense when the little crowd had dispersed jane was left rather breathless with blackened hands and apron pockets weighed down with what the police call bronze she heaved it all out on to the kitchen table when lucilla sat busy as usual with pencil and paper the coins rattled and rang and spun on the smooth scrubbed deal a couple of adventurous sixpences and a rollicking halfpenny escaped to the floor and at least threepence rolled under the dresser what on earth's all this lucilla asked as well she might your destiny my destiny jane told her it's the finger of fate drop those everlasting lists away with them we're in trade but where did you get all this money lucilla asked beginning to arrange the pennies in piles of twelve in the garden said jane dramatically buried treasure 
first instalment to be continued in our next no don't look vacant luce darling i'm not insane and i will tell the truth as soon as i get my breath put away that pencil burn that paper no more lists i got that money by selling flowers out of the garden we will get our living by selling flowers out of the garden ourselves to people who go by and admire no sending our flowers to market to be sold all crushed and bruised and disheartened fresh flowers sold here that's what's going on the board no fresh cut flowers sold here i shall paint the board to-morrow why the board for the gate of course to show the world what we sell let's count the money i make it fifteen and eightpence it is fifteen and ninepence halfpenny said lucilla and added slowly it's quite a good idea jane out with it said jane adjusting the little silver tower of her eleven sixpences what's the dreadful drawback i hate to throw cold water said lucilla but how long will the flowers in our garden last if we sell them like this you'll be sold out as the shops say before the paints dry on your board but more flowers will come out not fast enough we could buy flowers at covent garden and sell those then they wouldn't precisely be fresh cut would they true how right you always are the fact is lucilla went on you make fun of my lists but i've learned one thing by making them i see that every plan we can make for making money here is made impossible by one thing the house is too small then we must get another house that's so easy isn't it with all the papers we bought at the station full of the housing problem there aren't any other houses you know there aren't i don't know anything so absurd there must be houses with bigger gardens than ours people might want to exchange you think we might advertise people who don't want to be bothered with large gardens can have small one in exchange it's our only chance we can never do anything with hope cottage except live in it and that we can't do on the interest of your five hundred pounds or else let it now if we let it furnished we could partly live somewhere else on the money i don't want to partly live anywhere said jane i wish to warm both hands before the fire of life well you'll never warm them here said lucilla the worst of it is that you're so often right said jane tying the money up in a clean blue checked duster and hiding it in the plate warmer no burglar will ever think of looking for it there now let's go out and look for a house when they had locked the front door behind them lucilla stood on the step surveying the front garden what's his name and the ruins of carthage said jane flippant but a little uneasy too lucilla walked to the corner of the house and looked round it why she said there's not a flower in sight fifteen and eightpence said jane i mean ninepence and a good deal of that was ivy i shouldn't put up the board here said lucilla it's hardly worth while if we can't get another house i shall plant flowers here flowers take time to grow annuals don't at least not much let's go and buy a gardening book and find a house they did not find a house but they bought a gardening book and spent the evening over it in the kitchen 
you tend to sit in the kitchen when it is very light and clean bright with gay-coloured crockery and sparkling with silvery tinsmith's work and when you have it to yourselves and when anyhow you have to get your own supper and you may as well eat it where you cook it it saves carrying trays in and out and you get it hotter and afterwards why bother to move especially when the kitchen window looks out on the back garden where the fruit trees are near blossom and the parlours both look out on the front garden the whole of whose floral splendour has just been sold for fifteen shillings and ninepence a very happy evening they spent over the gardening book lucilla made a list of the seeds that would be wanted to carry out what was really a quite brilliant scheme for a year's flower-growing perhaps you're right she owned something might be done with this garden and then there'll be all the soft fruit coming on in the summer soft fruit yes that's right it says so in the book currants and raspberries and gooseberries all the squashy kinds hard fruits the sort on trees apples and pears we might make jam put homemade jam on the board and new laid eggs if we only had fowls and new milk if we had a cow and home-cured bacon if we had a pig and everything that people do sell if only we'd got room to grow it if this were a decent-sized house instead of a chocolate box it's a perfect house for an old maid said jane a place for everything is easy but everything you ought to have in the place where it ought to be that's rare lucy rare as black swans that ought to mean money somewhere or other there is the real right tenant gaping open-mouthed for just this bait bed gapes for me said lucilla and it's mutual i suppose being in trade does make you vulgar jane seemed to ponder even the little bit of trade we've had End of chapter three